Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm so happy to have you with me today. Today, I will be speaking with Bryn Dunning, and Bryn is the owner of Made to Play Pediatric Therapy. She has been an occupational therapist for seven years now and has practiced in just about every pediatric setting possible. At Made to Play, she offers clinic and home-based OT to children 0 to 21 years old in the Denver metro area. As an OT, she is devoted to helping every family and child gain the necessary tools to live out their best life. Bryn, thank you so much for being with me today. Yes, it's so great to be here. I'm so excited. Bryn and I met, oh, maybe a month ago. And when I met her, I could just feel this energy and passion for what she does. And I think occupational therapy is so important. It's such a valuable resource for those struggling with fine motor and gross motor skills. And I just really wanted to talk to Bryn about what she does. So Bryn, I want to know what drew you to the profession of occupational therapy. Yeah. Uh, So I grew up playing sports and getting hurt a lot and going (laughs) to the physical therapist a ton. Um, So I, you know, kind of saw, oh, like, this is a really cool profession. I think I kind of want to look into this. And I kind of knew I wanted to do something that was, you know, in the medical field, um, helping others. And so for a long time, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a physical therapist. And then Mm -hmm. as I started to kind of like, you know, learn more about physical therapy, what I needed to do, I started to hear more about this OT thing, this occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to do some shadowing hours of both. And I just loved what OTs did, how they were constantly playing. And the kids always seemed like they had so much fun, which was really, really, you know, important to me, obviously. And Mm -hmm. then I loved that they got to just really interact with a lot of different types of families and really impact so many areas of a family's life. So it just always seemed like it was going to be something new and exciting and fresh and keeping me on my toes. And so that was definitely what drew me in. Well, I love that. And I, what I love about you in particular and the business that you've created is that you're really focused on making it a fun experience through play. And then also you're very much aware of their sensory needs, a child's sensory needs. And those are two things that are top of the list for me. So what, what motivated you to focus on those aspects of a child's needs? Making OT fun for kids is definitely top priority for me. We know those families like who just dread going to therapy and, you know, they like their kids are kicking and screaming, going into therapy. And to me, I'm just like, if it's not fun, we're not meeting their needs. We're not meeting that child where they're at to work on those hard skills. And so, you know, bringing in the sensory piece, self-regulation is a huge part of sensory processing. And so those kids that um, are kicking and screaming, going into, you know, therapy offices, you know, those are the kids where they're dysregulated. So one aspect of meeting them where they're at is helping them to self-regulate through play. And that's, that's again, what I really try and focus on is how can I use play and sensory processing to meet this child where they're at, and then also help them to just build on those skills that are hard because inevitably they're coming to see me because, you know, something is challenging. Something is really hard um, at home or at school or with peers. Um, And so again, I, I'm just looking at all of those things that are challenging, but then trying to build a strong foundation using play and sensory processing. 
Oh, I love that. I really love that approach. What motivated you to start Made to Play Pediatric Therapy? So, you know, in your intro, you mentioned I've worked in a lot of different therapy settings. So I've done, you know, I've done private practice. I've done school-based. I've done early intervention. I've, I've kind of done the gamut. And for me, what I saw is that there's just a missing piece. Um, a lot of times working for clinics that are, you know, insurance-based insurance is telling the therapist how to do their job. Um, And so I did that for a long time, but I always saw like, well, they're just not making progress. Like I want them to, or this is taking a really long time to meet this one goal. But again, the insurance providers are telling therapists, okay, you can only work on these skills. You can only do it for this amount of time. Um, And that just like really didn't feel good to me. And so I, branched out and decided I'm going to just do this on my own and do it the way that I really feel like I can do well. I initially started two years ago, um, going into families' homes, like a hundred percent of the time, um, which was so cool because again, like working at a therapy office, you know, there were some skills that I couldn't work on in an office, like a lot of those activities of daily living. Mm -hmm. Um, so like brushing your teeth and getting dressed like that, those were things that were challenging to do in an office. Yeah. And so that was really fun to be able to go into a family's home and be able to work on a lot of those skills. But also I got to just do therapy the way that I, I feel like I know how to do really well. And, and one that's honoring to each family and each individual. And so I love the team approach too. So I don't necessarily have the team like I'm used to when I worked at a clinic, but now my team is like mom and dad or, you know, the teachers at school. Um, and so that's, that's a huge aspect of helping families, not only, you know, work on the skills that I'm teaching them, you know, during our therapy sessions, but eventually you need that carryover from mom and dad. So teaching them how to implement a lot of these strategies or work on these tasks on the days that I don't come, come to their house. And again, like an insurance-based model just doesn't allow for a lot of that parent education time. So that's a really huge aspect of, of my job and uh, what I love to do with my families. Um, and so now I also, I do kind of a hybrid model where I do see some families in a clinic. um, And then I also see some families at a school or I see some families at home. And for me, that flexibility is really important because there are definitely families who they, they need to get out of their home. You know, home is their safe space. And so they might be able to work on some of those more challenging skills outside of their home, like at a neutral kind of space. So like my office. Um, So that's been a a great flexibility piece for families. But then again, there's, like I was mentioning those, those activities of daily living ADLs that um, I can't really work on in my office because I don't have, you know, a bathtub, I don't have a sink to work on brushing teeth. And so, Mm -hmm. so I can do all of those types of skills while I'm at home. The other piece is, is school. That's a huge obviously occupation for um, children. And so being allowed to go into some of the schools and do therapy, like while they're in the classroom has been a really a a great aspect of generalizing and kind of making all of those skills that are hard, um, being able to do all of those skills in all environments. 
Well, I love that. And that's something that I actually really appreciate when you talk about going into homes. For me personally, that's appealing because I like how those skills translate into our daily lives at home. Yeah. And that's really important to me as a parent. But I I like how you talked about the benefits of being in an office as well. I think, you know, taking your child out of the home environment, giving them an experience in a new environment, it kind of just helps them take these skills and translate them from place to place to place. Yes. And so that it just becomes part of what they do wherever they are. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's really fun to work again, directly with mom and dad and pretty much aside from going to school and pretty much every session I'm working directly with families. And so helping them to see like, oh yeah, that thing that's really hard to do at home. Mm -hmm. You know, these are some strategies that you guys can do that would, you know, maybe make that routine a little bit easier for the whole family and just integrating it into daily life. So, you know, going back to that sensory processing piece, you know, there are kids need movement. They need sensory input throughout the day. And so I love being able to look at a family's routine um, and see, okay, how can I, as an OT, build in some sensory input so that that child is prepped and ready for school or, you know, that really challenging bedtime routine. Like maybe we've got some time, you know, right before that I can give the family some really great sensory strategies to help that routine just flow a little bit easier. That's, that's definitely the job of of an OT with families for sure. Well, I love it. That sensory piece is sometimes overlooked and I think it's critical especially in our home, some of the, one of the biggest struggles in our home has been the sensory processing disorder Mm -hmm. that my autistic children struggle with. And so I love that you meet that need. That's huge for so many families. Yes. How do you help a child with disabilities more fully participate in school and social situations? Yeah. So going back to a little bit of what is the job and the role of an occupational therapist. So, you know, we look at occupations and an occupation for an adult and an occupation for a child is completely different. And I'm not just talking about a job. So, you know, an occupation for a child, their main occupation is play and school performance, just like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I look at all of those puzzle pieces that are kind of, you know, maybe misplaced in there, making those routines at school more challenging. And so sometimes if I'm not working with a family directly at school, you know, I'm, I'm still looking at the, the, those building blocks, those foundational pieces that impact school performance. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it might be things like handwriting. Sometimes it might be like visual motor skills, uh, or sometimes it's still some of those like activities of daily living, being able to zip their coat up or put their coat on at school. What are those things that are challenging? And then I piece it back down of, you know, in the office or at home, how can we work on those things ultimately to make school just be a a much easier routine for that child? And obviously social is a huge aspect of, of school, social, social skills. It's a huge aspect for school. And so if I'm really working on play in every single one of my sessions with my kids, then that's a social situation. There's more than one person. So there's always going to be social challenges. So things like being able to share or trade toys or, you know, join a group without disrupting, having back and forth conversations. All of those things are 
always integrated into our sessions again, because there's, there's me and another kiddo or me and mom and dad and the kiddo. And yeah. so, so it's um, just more natural. It's, it's more natural. Yeah. I actually really love that. I did not think of that. I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but it didn't. So I yeah. like that you're talking about it. Yeah. And there's like some awesome, um, social curriculums that I've found over the years, um, that, you know, there's some really cool books that for the little ones, when it's kind of like, we're learning how to be a part of a group. So what is, what does that look like? What does my body need to do when I'm in a group? How do I show the group that I'm paying attention and, Mm -hmm. and participating? So I, I love to use some of those, um, as well, but really it's, it is more, like you said, just a really natural thing that's integrated into all of my sessions. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What what would you say, Bryn, to parents concerned about their child's ability to participate in everyday life? Yeah, I think as a new parent myself, we we worry about our kids and we want to know that they're thriving no matter where they are. When I have families that are concerned about development or just their ability to participate, I always start with step one is meeting the child where they're at. If we are truly, you know, not comparing our kids to other families or, you know, this other kid in class, one, the comparison is robbing us of our joy. Um, And we, we can truly see our kids for who they are and love them for who they are and then kind of figure out, okay, these things are hard. So what do I need to do to either improve or, or change or, you know, what do I need to do? Um, and so then I always say, build a team. Um, if you, if you know, and you see your child for who they are, then you can reach out and say, I need help. I, I need to build a team around me that is going to help help my child thrive at home, help my child thrive at school or at a peer's house, wherever it is. So that team might be, you know, an occupational therapist. It might be a speech therapist. It might be a psychologist that, you know, it could be, it could, the team could look like a lot of different ways, but I think it's really important if you're noticing concerns or you're seeing delays, I think it's so important to build a, a trustworthy team around you. That's going to, again, love on your child and love them for who they are, but help them to grow in a way that's honoring to their, to their nervous system and who they are. I absolutely love that solid advice of building a team. And there's so many reasons why I do. And one being that our child needs a team and the child filling that support, that would be number one, but Mm -hmm. also parents need a team too. They're incapable of providing all of those things for their child at all times, especially at school. They can't be there. So building that team and knowing you have a team of people who are helping your child to achieve their highest levels of success for them, whatever that looks like. And that means for that child. But I think it brings peace of mind to parents that they have other people looking out for the needs and the best interests of their own child, even when they're not around. So that was really solid advice. Thank you. Yes. For that. Yes. And I'm I, a huge advocate of, you know, as a mom, as a dad, like that's your role, your mom, your dad, you're not the therapist, you're not the teacher, mm-hmm. your mom and dad. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that is a really um, sacred relationship between you and your child. Mm-hmm. And so being able to maintain that sacred relationship while also still saying, I need help. I need to learn how, how to work on these things that, that I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't go to therapy school. I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't have all these extra degrees in child development. And so mm-hmm. again, I really 
love just making sure that families can feel equipped, you know, to, to love their child and work with their child the way that their child needs, but also to, to say like, it's okay that you're just mom. It's okay that you're just dad. And that's why you have the team around you to help on all those other things. Oh, that helps take the pressure off of parents. I I really like that. I wanted to ask you, I feel like I kind of got this out of order because we've been talking about occupational therapy, (laughs) but that's okay. Because what, what are some of the main focuses of occupational therapy? And I mean, because sometimes people will ask me, okay, there's physical therapy and there's occupational therapy. And what are the differences between those two therapy types? Yes. So the, the lines are very blurred at times. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it really does depend on the child's needs, but, you know, as an occupational therapist, again, I'm looking at play and school performance. Um, and so, you know, some of the skills that we need to be successful with those occupations are things like fine motor skills, visual motor skills, self-care skills, sensory processing and self-regulation. So those are all some of the main kind of buckets that I look at when I'm um, working with a family Mm -hmm. and then differentiating between a PT and an OT. A lot of times, you know, OTs, work on, um, gross motor skills as well. Like, you know, bilateral coordination and eye hand coordination and strength. Um, those are sometimes what we would typically see as like, Oh, those are PT type of goals. But as an OT, I'm kind of looking at some of those through a sensory lens. Um, so accurate sensory processing is really, really important for appropriate and age appropriate bilateral coordination and eye hand coordination. Um, so sometimes if there's more of the sensory piece that's impacting a child's occupations, then even though those are like some gross motor skills, they could totally be seen by an OT. Now those kids that, you know, maybe have gait abnormalities or, you know, like really, really deficient strength for walking, um, or stairs, like, you know, being able to climb stairs at home or at school, those are more traditional PT type of goals. Um, and those are like, typically if those are needs of any of my families, I typically am like, let's get a PT on our, on our team, because that's a little bit outside of, you know, what I'm trained to, to work on. But I mean, gross motor, it used to be like, oh, gross motor is PT and fine motor is OT, but mm-hmm. the lines are definitely much more blurred now. And I think that's still a good thing. I think we, we still all have our place in the therapy world, but um, it's nice that there's a little bit of overlap too. I actually really like that you mentioned that because Because at the beginning, uh, one of the questions I asked you had to do with gross motor and fine motor skills. And or I guess one of the topics I hit was gross motor and fine motor. Mm -hmm. And it's just been fascinating to me over the years to say, oh, this is what these skills are specifically targeting. And then to watch progress in our children. I find such value in occupational therapy. It's such a fun journey and it can be a really long journey for some families or it can be really short, but, but it's, again, I love the parent education piece. Like you were saying, you felt like you really got to learn a lot throughout that process with your girls. Um, and, and that's the sign of a good therapist for sure, that they're bringing you into the journey and, and teaching you why that specific activity or exercise is impactful throughout their development or what specific skill that 
activity is going to build on. Mm -hmm. Well, I just really appreciate you being here with me. I'm, I'm really excited for people to learn more about your business made to play pediatric therapy. And I want to ask you, where can people go if they would like to contact you? Yes. So first I would say, just check out my website, which is www.madetoplaypediatrics.com. And on my website, you can find all of my contact information. There's a form that you could fill out if you need to get some more information from me. Um, And that's usually the easiest way to reach me um, or by email. And again, my email is on our website. So that's probably the best way to reach me. I love that. For those people that live like outside of the state of Colorado, you can jump on to Instagram and follow Bryn at Made to Play Pediatrics on Instagram. And I really like that she has like pictures and guides for various activities that build on like core strength and those fine motor skills and all the things that I didn't go to school to learn about. So I get to read about them from you. (laughs) So, so I highly recommend going and following her on Instagram as well. Again, that's at made to play pediatrics. So Bryn, thank you so much for your time and for all of the great things that you've shared with us today. Yes. Thank you so much, Michelle. This was a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is mine. I guarantee you. (laughs) So um, for those of you listening, you can also follow me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. Catch you next week.